Hey everyone, before we start the episode, I wanted to share some exciting news. We have a YouTube channel now. We started posting our episodes with some cool images and videos, so you should definitely go check it out. You can find us at On Wildlife Podcast, and don't forget to subscribe. Now let's get into the episode. Hello, welcome to On Wildlife. I'm your host, Alex Ray. On this podcast, we bring the wild to you. We take you on a journey into the life of a different animal every week, and I guarantee you you're going to come out of here knowing more about your favorite animal than you did before. In this episode, we'll be discussing an animal that you've probably seen in pretty much every park you've ever been to, and you may have even had some close encounters with them. This bird has a feisty side and can belong to gaggles of nearly a hundred individuals, so buckle up as we take flight to talk about Canada geese. Canada geese, or Canadian geese, which had the scientific name Bronta canadensis, are a species of waterfowl. There are seven different subspecies of the Canada goose. These include the Atlantic, Hudson Bay, Giant, Moffats, Lesser, Dusky, and Vancouver geese. The most distinguishing feature between the subspecies is their size. The giant Canada goose is the biggest subspecies, and it can be found in the Midwestern United States. Most adults weigh between 5 and 14 pounds, with some weighing up to 20, and their wingspans can be over 6 feet long. This subspecies also has light-colored breast feathers, white flecks on their head, and longer legs than the other subspecies. Geese can be found on almost every continent except for Antarctica, and they can live in a variety of habitats. Some of the habitats that they live in are wetlands, grasslands, and on some occasions, they've been found living in proximity to grain fields. They're attracted to these habitats for two main reasons. The first reason is that they're able to easily digest the grasses found in these locations. And when they're feeding their young, this provides them with an abundance of food. And I'm going to talk more about their diet in just a second. The other reason is that these relatively flat environments allow an unobstructed view of any approaching predators. You can identify a Canada goose by looking at its long neck and interesting coloration. From their neck to their beak, They're almost completely black, though they do have a white patch that looks like a chin strap. But their wings are a brownish color, and this coloration is what helped give them their scientific name. Bronta comes from the Latin words burnt goose. The eating habits of Canada geese alter throughout the year, but they're mainly grazers. In spring and summer, geese primarily feed on grasses and sedges, including skunk cabbage leaves and eelgrass which means that for the most part, Canada geese are herbivores. This has always struck me as strange because you don't see many other birds eating grass. They're usually eating insects, small rodents, or fish. And in order to help with grazing, Canada geese have legs that are further up on their bodies than a lot of other birds. This actually makes it easier for them to bend down. Grass is hard to digest, though, and it actually goes through their system in about two hours. 
For humans, it takes around 36 hours for food to fully pass through our digestive system. In the fall and winter, geese rely heavily on berries and seeds. During this time, they really love blueberries and corn kernels. They'll also eat aquatic plants if they're floating on a lake, which is one of the reasons why they have an extremely long neck. They'll dip their heads under the water and eat vegetation at the bottom of the lake. They also have webbed feet that help them swim quickly through the water. And have you ever wondered how they're able to easily float and sit on top of the water? Well, they have a few different mechanisms that help them do this. First of all, they secrete an oil that they rub on their feathers to make them waterproof. And the feathers are actually one of the most important adaptations for living on the water. The feathers are hollow, which allows them to float more easily. But they also interlock with each other, which creates an air pocket, which also keeps them afloat. Lastly, they have a layer of fat that gives them some extra buoyancy. Okay, back to their eating habits. In order to rip the vegetation that they eat from the ground, Canada geese have interesting beaks. They have tooth-like structures on their beaks that are pretty sharp, but they're not made out of the stuff that our teeth are made out of. Their teeth are made out of cartilage, just like our ears and parts of our noses. Speaking of their diet, it's important to discuss hand-feeding geese. In many suburban areas, it's common to see families and individuals feeding breadcrumbs and other human food to geese. However, it's really crucial to note that hand-feeding encourages the geese to stay in one place and grow accustomed to human interaction. This is really dangerous to the geese and their digestion, and it's also going to cause them to become more aggressive over time. So if you see geese at the park, don't feed them. Okay, let's take our first break, and when we get back, we'll talk about goose reproduction and why they migrate. The science word that I want to talk to you about today is erosion. Erosion is the breaking down of soil or rock by forces like water or wind. You can see the effects of erosion all around you, like when you look at cliffs that are right next to the edge of the ocean, or when you go to the Grand Canyon. Sometimes, though, erosion isn't always a good thing, especially soil erosion. And unsustainable farming practices can increase the amount of soil erosion that happens. Okay, welcome back. Most Canada geese don't breed until they're around four years old. When a pair of geese is ready to mate, the female selects the site and constructs the majority of the nest. Female geese often choose sites that are slightly elevated and near water. This location allows her to have a pretty good view of her surroundings. And this is important because a lot of animals like to eat goose eggs, like raccoons, foxes, snakes, and other birds. After she constructs her nest out of grass and sometimes moss, the female starts to lay her eggs. And when her second egg is laid, she continues to add on to the nest, even adding her own feathers to the nest. The male guards her and the nest as she's preparing for incubation. The clutch size of a goose ranges from 2 to 8 eggs, with each egg measuring around 3 inches long and 2 inches wide. The incubation period lasts anywhere from 25 to 28 days, 
and when the egg hatches, the hatchlings emerge with their eyes covered and yellowish down, which are very soft feathers. Baby geese are called goslings. They eventually leave the nest when they're only one or two days old and can walk, swim, and dive by this time. In fact, after just 24 hours, the goslings can dive 30 to 40 feet underwater. Soon after the goslings hatch, they spend most of their time sleeping and eating, and they'll have enough energy remaining in their yolk sac to survive two days before they have to find food. Goslings remain with their parents for the first year of their life, and sometimes a phenomenon called gang broods occurs with Canada geese, where two to five broods travel, feed, and congregate together. And when they're around two months old, the parents teach their young how to fly, and we're going to talk about their flight in a little bit. Canada geese mate for life, which can be anywhere from 10 to 25 years, and they mate in what's called an assortative manner, meaning that geese with similar sizes mate with each other. Larger geese like to get together, and smaller geese like to get together. And usually a male Canada goose is larger than a female. If one of their partners dies, the remaining goose will also try to find a new mate. During the majority of the year, geese associate in large flocks, with many of the birds being related to one another. But in the spring, the pairs begin to break out from the flock and defend their own territories. When populations are really big and there isn't a lot of space, goose pairs may have to end up nesting in view of one another. And when intruders are in their territory, they display behaviors to try and scare them away. And you may be victim to some of these behaviors. Some things that they'll do are pump their heads, open their bills and raise their tongues, hiss, honk, and vibrate their neck muscles. If the intruder is another goose and it doesn't retreat after these warning signals, the geese may grab each other by the throat or hit each other with their wings. And these fights can cause some serious injuries at times. But one of the most well-known behaviors of geese is migration. Geese that breed in the more northern areas migrate long distances down to the southern areas. And geese that hang out in southern Canada or the United States migrate shorter distances or not at all. They return to the same place every year using a variety of methods to navigate. Geese will use landmarks and even the location of stars and the sun to figure out where they're going. But they also have this really awesome ability of being able to detect Earth's magnetic field so they can tell if they're going north or south. The reason why they move south for the winter is because it gets extremely cold in their habitats, meaning lakes freeze over and there's not as much food. In the spring, they'll move back up north where they were before they migrated. Migrating flocks include loose aggregations of family groups and individuals. Flights often begin at dusk, and they'll migrate during the day or at night. And if you've seen Canada geese flying, you'll notice that they move in a V formation, with the more experienced individuals taking turns leading the flock. And there's a reason for this particular shape. Within this formation, each goose in line flies a little higher than the one in front of it. When the air flows off of the bird in the front's wings, it lifts upwards, which gives the goose behind them a little boost. It also helps to reduce air resistance. This allows them to use a lot less energy, so they're able to fly for much longer periods of time. Geese also communicate when they're migrating and shift positions so that birds can take turns flying in the front, 
which prevents any individual from getting too tired. So why are geese important to the ecosystems that they live in? You'll hear about that right after the break. Can you answer today's trivia question? Let's find out. Which of these mammals only has three toes on each foot? A, a horse, B, a rhino, C, an elephant, or D, a hippo? The answer is B, a rhino. Because Canada geese are mostly herbivores, they benefit the ecosystem by dispersing seeds. They eat grasses and vegetation from one area, and as they travel, they disperse seeds to other neighboring areas through their waste. Goose waste significantly increases the fertility of the soil as well because it adds organic nutrients into the ground. They're also a prey species for many animals like foxes, snakes, raccoons, and turtles. However, they can also negatively impact their ecosystems. Canada geese benefit from human-made agricultural products more than any other waterfowl species. While the geese benefit from our land use practices, they often cause grains, pastures, and spring seedlings to be trampled and overgrazed. Common crops that fall prey to Canada geese are alfalfa, barley, corn, soybeans, wheat, rye, and oats. Goose droppings may also impact the quality in and around livestock ponds, as well as grazing areas where feces can be ingested by the livestock. Large amounts of goose droppings can be linked to an increase in algal blooms along bodies of water because of the increase of nutrients. This causes an abundance of aquatic vegetation to grow on still bodies of water, which decreases the amount of oxygen in the water for the fish to breathe. Depending on where you live, Canada geese may seem extremely abundant, but it wasn't always like that. In the early 1900s, Canada geese nearly became extinct because of unregulated hunting. The Migratory Bird Treaty Act of 1918 was established to create a regular hunting season in the hopes of conserving them. But in 1962, the drainage of wetlands brought them back to the brink of extinction. Conservationists then started to track geese by putting bands around their legs, and we now use this information to help geese thrive in their habitats. Although the Canada goose is federally protected, they can still be hunted during specific hunting seasons and within strict hunting parameters. During breeding season, you need a registration number from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service before disturbing any Canada goose nest. And while their populations are doing okay now, there are still organizations that are helping them and their environments thrive. You should check out the Coalition to Prevent the Destruction of Canada, the National Goose Protection Coalition, and the National Audubon Society. Thank you so much for coming on this adventure with me as we explore the world of Canada geese. You can find the sources that we used for this podcast and links to organizations that we reference at onwildlife.org. 
You can also email us with any questions at onwildlife.podcast at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at on underscore wildlife or on TikTok at onwildlife. Don't forget to tune in next Wednesday for another awesome episode. And that's On Wildlife. You've been listening to On Wildlife with Alex Ray. On Wildlife provides general educational information on various topics as a public service, which should not be construed as professional, financial, real estate, tax, or legal advice. These are our personal opinions only. Please refer to our full disclaimer policy on our website for full details. Thank you.